Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, your word uh, tells us that in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came down and flames of fire rested on the disciples and the believers. And so we can read that and we think, oh yeah, that's back then. Uh, But I know and may we know uh, that that can happen today. That you can burn within us. And that you turn sparks that are here into flames. And that your spirit would fan the flame of believers. I I pray that. I, I, I really pray that. I pray it so people here can hear that. Because we are consumed by the external. People here facing bankruptcy, yes, that's bad. People here facing divorce, yes, that's bad. People here facing cancer, yes, that's bad. People with loved ones in the hospital, yes, that's bad. People here facing past actions that creep in. And I pray we would know the fire and live the fire. And that consumes all these external things. And we move forward. In your fire, not our own. God, break down the walls of of people so the people of Bellwether Church would be on fire, not just at a service, but day to day, week to week, on mission uh, to neighbors, to countries for your kingdom. And thank you most of all that that is just entirely, simply possible to begin now. Thank you, Lord. Because of Jesus, we have our salvation and we have our future life. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Thank you again to the Lord who leads us here, uh, to our worship team who leads us uh, in worship. Y'all can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians, towards the back of your Bible. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 today. Uh, If you do not have a Bible, There are Bibles in the back. Uh, You may pick one up. You may take it home. Uh, It is our church's uh, gift uh, to you. Uh, Before we read in Ephesians 3, and I'm going to be in verse verse 13 through 21. But uh, just to let you know, we've been doing this series on prayer. Uh, And it's not a how to pray. It is uh, what to pray for. Because I think what we pray for leads us in how to pray. So we started a couple weeks ago, we talked about the power of prayer. Uh, We spent a Sunday talking about prayers for our city, uh, which I fervently believe we should do. Uh, Last Sunday was a baptism celebration service, uh, and we wanted to pray for more salvations, which would lead to more baptisms. Uh, Today, we're going to pray specifically for this church, uh, this people that are gathered here, whether you call yourself a member or not. And then next Sunday, we will close out with prayers to church plants around the world. And we're starting this year off in what we should pray for. So today, this church, uh, Bellwether Church, was a little bit different. I mean, usually we generalize prayer outside, but, uh, and frankly, I've never, I don't think, preached a specific sermon to pray for, for this body. I mean, we always make it about, you know, other churches, Big C Church, but today, uh, this church. You know, when my wife and I were, uh, uh, were getting the vision and praying about planting this church way, way, way back, uh, before anybody had said I'm in, before we'd even announced, uh, there were some things where I was like, you know, 
I want to, I want to pastor a church uh, that's not like this church. Uh, and now looking back, that was, you know, mistake number one. Uh, to plan a church that you don't want to be like churches that you've seen. But, you know, I was like, you know, I don't want to pastor a church where, um, you know, if, you're, if we're seven minutes late in the service, the topic of conversation at lunch is that we were seven minutes late. Um, now, you say you weren't seven minutes late, you've been ten minutes late. That's, that's my point, okay? I said, I don't want to pastor a church where big givers felt like they have the biggest voice. Uh, I didn't want to pastor a church where another topic of conversation uh, could be like how hot it was in the sanctuary, how cold it was. Amen? Come on, guys, be honest. Okay? I'm hot. Y'all are probably cold. I'm always hot. But, but look, I didn't want to pastor a church where we really started creating like uh, a lot of social events uh, that didn't have alcohol and we just attached Jesus' name to it. Uh, I didn't really want to pastor a church where one of the big MOs is, is just, you know, the relationships uh, to build up your, I don't know, your iPhone list, or, you know, I call them, you know, in the 1990s, we call it Rolodex. And I want to pastor that church. And obviously, uh, if you don't think that, well, I would say I was very idealistic, okay? Very idealistic. Because uh, those are just little things uh, that, that happen all the time. And let me say, that's okay. That's okay. But it is external things that we can easily uh, get caught up in uh, and miss uh, what's really real and most important. Um, so there were churches that I would see and be part of. Like, Man, I don't want to be like that. Uh, and yet we can become a church like that. So you're like, well, how does this tie into prayers for Bellwether, prayers for this church? Well, I was thinking about what to pray for about our church. Because here's the other thing. When we pray, it's generally all external needs. Everything around us. I mean, you may be praying right now again. You may be praying like, um, Lord, help him uh, not be seven minutes late today so I can get a good lunch. Um, even though no football games today, so no excuses. You may be praying, uh, Lord, somebody please, you know, turn the heat up or down. Or, you know, something like that. Those are like basic externals. But then also there are externals like so-and-so is sick. we got to pray for him. Okay? Another prayer for the church would be, hey, Lord, help us grow more and more and more. We want to pray for felt needs. We want to pray, pray that the Lord leads people here. We want to pray, hey, Lord, grow our programs and our reach. All external, all outside. It's not like heart, soul. So my prayer today, and I'm going to make a late New Year's resolution, my prayer every day this year for this church is that people, listen to me, would know God. Many of you say, I I got it, man. I know God. No. That people of this church would have an intimate relationship with God. Because that is possible And that is very, very needed. Not just in Bellwether Church, in every church. Uh, It's why we stress Rise with God, a Bible reading plan that we do together to be united in God's Word. And what we don't want to happen is that you would say, oh, well, I got to do my Bible reading plan. And, you know, zippity-doo-dah, did it, seven minutes, you know, got next day, same thing, 
do it, do it, do it. No, we want to grow an intimate relationship with God that is different from the initial relationship with God that happens in salvation. Intimate is different than initial. You need to know that. So I'm not saying you're not saved, okay? I am saying there's a depth that changes a life and changes a family. And so my prayer each day for this year is that the people of Bellwether Church specifically would grow an intimate relationship with the Lord. And that produces what I believe real lasting change. Now, if you look in Ephesians 3, that is exactly what Paul is talking about here. Because he was, he's, he's writing to this church, and they're a church, and they're Christians. But he's saying, I want you to go further. I want you to know more. I want you to know God in a deeper way. And when I say deeper, that doesn't mean, oh, I've got to check out. You know, that's too, no, it's simple, as a matter of fact. So let's read Ephesians 3, verse 13 through 21. Paul writes, So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Now I want to go through this passage and highlight a few things. First off, verse 13. This is really interesting. Paul says, I am suffering for you. So as Paul was writing this, just so you know, he was in jail, in prison, suffering. The church he was writing to in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey, was suffering. All churches that these letters were written to were suffering persecution, heavy persecution, like physical persecution, like Romans will kill them persecution. So there's a lot of suffering. But what is fascinating is you never hear details of these external experiences in the letters of Paul. I would, I don't want to say dare, but I would dare you. Go through all the letters of Paul. He never talks about their external circumstances. Uh, People suffering, people being persecuted. You like have to read the commentaries of the study Bible to say like, hey, the Romans were killing them. The Romans were throwing them in the Colosseum. They They were suffering to this great degree. The letters in the Bible speak nothing of that. It's all internal, which is fascinating that, that Paul in the Bible doesn't make much of physical suffering, probably emotional pain that's brought about, you know, like literally, you know, giving your life to Christ and then you lose everything and you got to really start anew. We don't hear any of that. And that was what was happening over and over and over again. There's the focus on the internal, on the heart. Verse 14, 
Look at what he says here. He says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, I want to highlight this verse because when I say, I want you to have an intimate relationship with the Father. This is the creator of all that is. And you can have this intimate, I'll stress that word again and again, intimate relationship with him whom all the families on earth are named. I mean, he created. He gave the names that became our name. And you can have this deep, abiding, rich, rewarding, like real deal that that helps us not even focus as much on the chaos that may be going on around us. That can happen. Then verse 16 says, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Again, there's this focus on the inner life. Um, I would say this, I would argue this, if, if your inner life is strong, uh, it matters not what your outward experiences are. This is what we talk about when we talk about finding this true joy. This is what we talk about when we talk about walking with serene confidence. If your inner life is strong, it is so much greater than outward experiences. I want to read you a quote. Uh, a guy, some of you may not know, his name is Martin Lloyd-Jones. Anybody know who Martin Lloyd-Jones was? Neil, I know you do. Neil gave me a couple books of his. Uh, David Mold, I don't know if he's here. He gave me a book of his. Martin Lloyd-Jones is the greatest preacher you never heard of. Many regard him as the greatest preacher of the 20th century. Some of you are like, I thought Billy Graham was that. Well, he actually didn't pastor a church. Martin Lloyd-Jones pastored a church in London for years. Uh, he was a great preacher of the 20th century. But he had this quote. He said, the ultimate trouble with non-Christians is that he or she knows nothing of their inner being. They are only focused in creating sensations for themselves and building associations with others. They have no inner life. They are constantly controlled by circumstances. And when things get really bad, they try to fall back on thrills or even their drug of choice. Uh, Now, some of you would say, well, that's speaking to non-Christians. Okay, but I want to read it again and see like how it might describe us. Knows nothing of inner being, always focused on the external, trying to create sensations in themselves and build associations with others, constantly controlled by external circumstances, and they can fall back on thrills and their drugs of choice. I thought that was a real interesting quote, Martin Lloyd-Jones. But Paul says, the Bible says, be strengthened in your inner life. He's saying, the Bible is saying, letters of Paul are saying, the inner is always greater than the outer. I want you to be strong in your inner life. Because there are, I mean, look, we can pray for, I mean, the physical needs, hospitals, you know, cancer wards, I mean, depression, uh, divorce, broken relations. There, there's, you just make your list, and, and we all got it. But to get to the heart, we got to go to the heart. And we got to believe, if I'm strong here in Christ, then that does impact and that does change how I look at my external world. Verse 17, 
He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ may dwell in your hearts. A lot of us would say, I got it, man. I mean, I accepted Jesus, you know, believe in Jesus in my heart. I'm good. Here's also something we really need to know. Whenever the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about what we think of as like feelings and, you know, Valentine's coming up, you know, falling in love and, you know, all of that good stuff. The word heart, when it's used in the Bible, literally means the seat. The seat. The seat of the mind. You're just like, it's for the heart. Yeah. Seat of the mind. Seat of the will, which is actions. And yes, seat of the emotions. So it's like everything. So when he's saying that Christ may dwell in your heart, he's talking about your mind. He's talking about your actions, that you act differently. And he's talking about the emotions and the love that we would have for him. He's talking about everything. And often, here's what happens. Often we, we feel like we, we know Christ or we, we know Christianity, and we really, as I said at the beginning, we really don't know. C.S. Lewis talked about this, said how a lot of uh, Christians know Jesus like they know a map of the city, and yet really don't live in the city. So I'll give you an example for, from my life. Uh, my wife and I, um, in our, it is in our bedroom, not to like let let you in our bedroom, but there's this big map, okay? Big map, sorry. Big map of Paris, France. Now, I've been to Paris a couple times. I've never lived there for any extended period of time. And you're like, why you got a map, you know, of Paris? Well, it's like a big kind of antique map. I think it's really cool. Got it at Bliss, so just to do a plug there. But anyway, it's a great map. It's up there. And I like lay on my bed, and sometimes I'll just look at the map, and I love just, okay, look how the Seine River winds. And oh yeah, there's the island where Notre Dame is. And you know, uh, when, the, uh, when the attacks happened a couple months ago, I was looking, it's like, okay, where was it? It's right there. And so I've gotten, as I'm just, you know, laying there, and if I'm not reading, I've gotten to kind of know the city somewhat. I've never, again, lived there. I've been there a couple times. So I don't really know the sights and the smells and the life and, you know, going to, I don't know, get a croissant at the corner bakery or, you know, whatever you would do. But I've kind of gotten to know it. I think that's how a lot of us as Christians can live. We're like, I know, and, you know, I read, but I'm not living in it. I'll give you another example. A, if you're a Christian, you believe, you know, we're doing this doctrine class. If you're a Christian, you should believe, we should believe in the doctrine that, that everybody is, is sinful. Uh, it's called human depravity, honestly. That we're all sinners. So we should never be surprised when like, like really, really bad, crazy stuff happens uh, in the world or in relationships we know. You know, I mean, someone had this, you know, crazy double life. Like, oh my goodness, you know, we're like shocked. Should we be there? I mean... Should be no surprises. I mean, I, one thing I've learned in the ministry is, I mean, nothing really surprised me at, of sinfulness, how it can be lived out. So it's like, you know, we know all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. Well, then that should, that should make us a certain type of people. One, we should be more humble because we know what's in us. 
Two, we should never give up on anybody. We really shouldn't because we know if God can save us and God can save someone else, then God can save anyone. That's what I'm talking about. There should be a change. The belief should impact the seats of our life, the heart, to change us when we really know God, when we really know this deal. Let's go on through the, the passage. Verse 18, may have strength to comprehend. In other translations, that means grasp. To grasp. You've got to grasp the gospel. You've got to grasp it. It's almost like the Holy Spirit has to flood over our hearts, but not just wash it, cleanse it. Almost like put this thing on it that makes the gospel stick. I hesitate to say glue, but almost like pour this on us where it sticks. It holds. Let me give you another example. There was a, um, um, there's a pastor I admire a lot. I've used it, Tim Keller in New York. But he talked about he was, he was interviewing all these people to plant churches around the world. And one after one after one, he would ask, you know, so why do you want to plant churches? And they would say, well, I grew up in a church and I never heard the gospel. And then someone told me the gospel and I believed. And now I want to plant a church. And again, grew up in church, never heard the gospel. Someone told me, a friend, a mentor, and now I want to plant a church. And, and even, he heard this one guy say, you know, I even went to seminary, and I never heard the gospel, was never really saved, and then became a chaplain, and, you know, someone told me, and now I'm really saved, and I really want to plant a church. And so he asked, he's like, okay, so what did you read in seminary? I said, I read, I read all these guys, you know, a guy like Martin Luther. He's like, so you never heard the gospel from Martin Luther? I was like, no, never. And he said, I would really encourage you to go back over your books and like look through them and you know see if you read the gospel. Now, don't check out when I say Martin Luther, okay? Listen to this. Martin Luther, I mean, he started the Reformation, for those who know history. And so he went back in this book on Martin Luther, and he had underlined everything and you know, made notes and everything. He's like, whoa, the gospel's on every page. That he's writing about Galatians, that he's writing about Romans. I never saw it. Here's my point in all this too. Some of you now go to a church where you never hear the gospel. It's called Bellwether Church. And it's not because it's not preached every Sunday. It's a heart thing. In every church you go to, you're like, I never hear the gospel of that church. Well, I know a lot of wonderful churches and wonderful pastors that are trying to proclaim the gospel over and over again. But something has got to stick. And you know the thing is, it's not up to us, it's up to the Holy Spirit to coat our hearts. That's the word I was looking for. And make it stick. So you're like, well, tell me the gospel. What's the gospel? I think Paul goes on and shows it very, very clearly. As we're going to close up here. He says, may you grasp the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth to know the love of Christ. Now, we're kind of going in, I believe, on kind of Paul's devotion time here. Stay with me and look at this. I want to use some verses up on screen. The breadth, the breadth of the love of Christ. To me, I believe he's saying, Jesus can love anyone. And he's loving so many and so many folks are saved. And I think about we're doing this study on Revelation on Wednesday night. Revelation 5.11, put it up there on screen. It says, Then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands 
the breadth of the love of Christ that we will really see when all of these different tribes and languages are together. The breadth of His love. Then it goes on the length of His love. To me, and we've, we talk about this every Sunday, that you can, you can never outrun Christ. Hebrews 13, 5, put it up on the screen, simple verse. I will never leave you or forsake you. It's very simple. It's, I will never leave you. David writes in the Psalms, I can go to the depths, the bottom of the ocean, and you are there. You can never outrun. You cannot get away from God. And I, I say this to folks who are saved and who are baptized. You can't outrun. You can't leave God. He will be there. He will run after you. Let me make it real simple. You don't lose your salvation. It's that powerful. Then he says, the depth. The depth. We focus on this in Lent coming up, specifically Good Friday, but like literally how low Jesus went for us. Philippians 2 says, and I'm going to put a verse up on screen, Philippians 2, 8 says, and being found in human form, this is Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus was exalted on the throne. He didn't just come down to become human. He humbled himself to death. He descended to us, the depth of his love. How far, I mean, like, the gospel, how far he went for you and me. Like, I want to get that over and over again. And then the height, the last one. And hey, what's the height of his love? Jesus, his desire is for us to be with him where he is. Experience things as he experiences it. 1 John chapter 3 talks about this in detail. I want to put one verse up. 1 John 3, 2, it says, Beloved, we are God's children. What we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall, look at this, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. He wants you to be where He is. It's kind of like, it's Valentine's Day, so everybody's, you know, I know, Getting plans together. i got to make some plans. But anyway, it's, you know, when you first feel that romantic love, you know, talking about the heart, but when you first feel that romantic love, it's almost like, you know, I can't do this because I want my loved one with me. I can't go to this movie by myself because I want her to experience with me. If you felt like that, say amen. Everybody should say right now, amen. Yes, thank you. Getting ready for Valentine's Day. You want to be together, you know, Multiply this by millions. And that's Jesus' love for you. That he wants you to be with him. It's all this, you know, we talk about he has made a home for us. He has prepared a place for us. But you know that love. And I, I really don't think a lot at Bellwether Church do. Because we're so focused on the external. And then when we know that love, I mean, he goes on and, you know, closes it up. He says, we can do... To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Jesus can do far more to the power at work within us. To him be the glory of the church throughout all generations forever and ever. I haven't even touched on any external work the Lord's doing here. I haven't said, you know, we had some members, the house burned down over here, and they got together right around a busy Christmas season and like gave and gave and gave to this couple who does not go here. 
I didn't talk about like Span Elementary and we're reaching out to him and people are just coming here, just bought two computers, computers to Span. I didn't talk about a church that we have a relationship with in Tupelo. They had a family move here. One of the spouses has cancer and it's like really bad. And there's been an outpouring of love to them just with food and everything. And their, their minds were blown. I haven't talked about how God does provide financially. I mean, I'll throw some numbers out. We spent 585. We 600,000 came in. That doesn't include 100,000 for raise more. Praise God. I mean, I know that's important to like some of us. But, you know, I didn't talk about like doubling our giving to church plants around the world. Praise the Lord. I mean, we, we, we celebrate that. That's external things. That's good. But I really don't want to focus as much on the external. I want to focus on the heart as we pray for this church. Because when there is real heart change, when you know the height and the depth and the breadth and the length, you're like, I don't want to just do life different. I want to have and lead another life. And that is different. That's what I want. That's my prayer for this church. It's my prayer for you. That you have not an initial relationship, because a lot of you do have that, an intimate relationship. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is a different life. And I do pray that... Uh, I pray you would inspire that within us. I pray you would code our hearts that people would hear the gospel and respond and see that it is life. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen.